Praise the Lord. Uh, what a great day uh, it has been already. Uh, church services, worship. Uh, this afternoon, I did a renewal of vows, a 25-year anniversary for a beautiful couple in our church. So we were over there celebrating with them, then raced over here and, and uh, just celebrating with you what the Lord is wanting to show us today. Uh, we've been talking about fulfilling God's dream in you. And we have learned, turn your Bibles to Genesis 41, your tablets, whatever you're using. In this series, we are looking at the life of Joseph. Joseph had a dream from God. And we have learned every one of us has a dream from God. In God's kingdom, you go from a dream to a destiny. From a dream to a destiny or from vision to the fulfillment of a vision. In life, though, you go through, we found in Scripture, 10 tests in order to reach your destiny. What are those tests for? To see where your heart is, to bring correction in your life. What are the tests? They're there to prove uh, the reality of what you believe. And because God knows that when he takes you to the next level in your dream, he knows that there are sometimes things in your life and in mine that need to be corrected a little bit. Maybe we have wrong thinking. Because if we have wrong thinking, if we get to the next level, we're not going to be able to handle that level. And that was Joseph. Joseph was going to do something amazing, and we're going to show that to you today. But Joseph had some things in his own life from his past, from his bring-up in his family. He was in a family of a lot of boys. And these boys, some of them had some struggles. And so there were things through his life that um, he just started to think a certain way. And we found the pride test, which is usually the very first one we face, he didn't handle it very well. And uh, so the pride test is basically how you handle what God said. How you handle it, you know God said this, but what do you do with it? Do you brag about it? Do you run around trying to figure out how to tell everybody how wonderful you are because God gave you a dream? And if that happens, we learned that everyone, if you don't pass the pride test, you get to do a do-over. And any of these tests, you get to do a do-over. Basically, what I'm saying um, is you don't really fail any of the tests. You just, I'll say it, in layman's terms, you just blow it, and you have to do it over. And after a while, you learn from the consequence of not doing well with a test. See, remember, we've learned already that you either learn in two ways. First, through obedience, and then if you don't walk in obedience, then you learn by consequence. And so what Joseph learned regarding pride was from the consequence, which we call the pit test. When Satan attacks you and even fabricates evidence in your life where people are speaking ill of you or things uh, don't go well because people, bosses, whatever, 
they do things because they have problems in their own life. But see, you, you get involved with people, and when you get involved with people, there's always going to be the good and the bad. There's always going to be uh, the godly and the ungodly. And so when you face that, that'll be the pit test. And we've learned uh, how do you stand against uh, these attacks from the enemy. The third one is the palace test. And that is a test of stewardship. Or how well you work with others, or how well you lead, or how well you follow. And, and we learned that in order to lead, you need to know how to follow. There's a lot of people that don't know how to follow, so when they lead, they really mess it up because they don't know how to follow. It's always their way or the highway. Well, that's not a good way. That's not a God way. Then we learn the purity test. There will be false accusations that happen. There will be things go on, or maybe, maybe we have failed the test because there was immorality in our lives, and we learn from the consequence of the immorality and then we turn around but with Joseph he passed his test with flying colors but he was accused falsely and because of that then what happens the prison test is a prison test we found was you suffer the wrong consequences for doing the right thing that ever happened to you you suffered wrong consequences but you had done the right thing. Or you said the right thing, but someone took you wrong, and so they got mad, and now you're in prison. They don't want to be around you. And how the test really is the result of it is how you respond to the ill towards you. You find people that that's all they are. They're in arguments and fights with everybody. They don't like this person. They don't like that person. No, that's not how we are as a believer. If we're going to reach our destiny, if we're going to allow our dream to come true, then we need to learn not to allow others to steer us into an unbiblical lifestyle. Then last week, we talked about the prophetic test that God's word will test us until the de destiny manifests. In other words, the prophet or the prophetic word to you is stated and it hasn't happened yet. How are you going to handle when things don't happen, when you know what's supposed to happen? We learned that last, last time together. So tonight, now through Joseph's life, we're going to learn how do you live with power and how you are tested when you have power. Now, in this test, in the story of Joseph, this is where Joseph begins to step into his destiny. We're going to learn what was Joseph's destiny in the story of Joseph. So how we learn is how do you use your power or authority? The answer is you use it to serve others, not yourself. The reason why you own businesses, the reason why you are in leadership, the reason why you are appointed to lead things is not that everybody will serve you, but that you can serve others. 
Valley Community Church uses its influence to serve people. Marriages, salvation, healing. We just love people and want to help people. How do we help people? There are a lot of times, I'm not God, I can't fix it for you, but we can lead you to the one that can fix it, and that's the one who can absolutely overwhelm your life with that peace. So every one of us will go through the power test also. Okay, every one of these tests we will face. Well, I don't have a lot of money. Well, I don't, I don't lead anything. Yeah, you do. There's areas of your life, if anything, you lead yourself. Well, let me explain that. You are spirit, soul, and body. Your spirit is to control your soul and body. How do you lead that? So every person has some degree of authority and responsibility. So it's kind of like a parking lot attendant at a church. He or she does a great job helping and serving people. But people begin to notice how wonderful that person is in helping people. So he's noticed or she's noticed and now becomes the captain of the parking lot team. Well, the next week, as the captain of the parking lot team, she comes in with a uniform on, a bullhorn, and a large stick. Because now you're in leadership. How do you handle leadership? See, that, that's, the, that's the reality. You know, even in our own culture, in where we live, you know in our own culture that when you watch people, that whenever they were just a normal person working a job and all of a sudden they're appointed as a supervisor, they change. Because they don't understand what leadership really is about. Leadership is about helping others become better or attaining their dreams. Okay, are you watching that? All right, so let's, let's uh, just go a little bit further. So at this time, Joseph hasn't fulfilled his destiny, but he's just stepped into it. And right here in the power test, he could have blown it and never attained his destiny. If he would have responded incorrectly, he never would have fulfilled what God planned for him. So let's say it another way. How well do you respond to success? How well do you respond, and, and what is success? A lot of people think success, well, I got a million dollars, or I got to drive a new car. No, that's not success. That's money in a new car. How do you handle success? Genesis 41.1, let's begin. Then it came to pass at the end of two full years that Pharaoh had a dream, and behold, he stood by the river. Now, remember the two full years were after Joseph interpreted the dreams, the baker and the butler's dreams. And remember, he still had a little bit in him of trying to make things happen himself. So he said, when you get out of here to the one who is going to survive, when you get out of here, can you tell someone to get me out of here? Well, God saw that, that his trust was in man and not in him. <laughs> So what happened is God decided to shave that off of him and to get that out of him because when he became what he was just about to become or after two full years, 
uh, he needed to have a right character. He needed to know how to lead because if he didn't, he would have blown it. And let me just tell you, with Joseph's life, thousands of people would have died. If he didn't fulfill his destiny, if he didn't fulfill the dream, if he didn't walk in this lifestyle to fulfill his dream, thousands would have died. And when I say thousands, I mean there would have been more than just thousands. Tens of thousands would have died because of what God's plan was for his life. Verse 8. Now it came to pass in the morning that his spirit was troubled, and he sent and called for all the magicians of Egypt and all its wise men. Pharaoh told them his dream, but there was no one who could interpret them for Pharaoh. Then the chief butler spoke to Pharaoh, saying, I remember my faults today. Remember the butler was the one that Joseph talked to. Verse 14, then Pharaoh sent and called Joseph, and they brought him quickly out of the dungeon, and he shaved, changed his clothing, and came to Pharaoh. Verse 37, so the advice was good in the eyes of Pharaoh and in the eyes of all his servants. And Pharaoh said to his servants, can we find such a one as this, a man in whom is the Spirit of God. Notice that. Pharaoh's an unbeliever. And Pharaoh recognizes that the Spirit of God was in Joseph. So notice Potiphar, who was an unbeliever, noticed it. The keeper of the prison was an unbeliever and noticed it. And Pharaoh, who was an unbeliever, all recognized the Spirit of God in Joseph. Verse 39, then Pharaoh said to Joseph, inasmuch as God has shown you all this, there is no one as discerning and wise as you. You shall be over my house, and all my people shall be ruled according to your word, Joseph. Only in regard to the throne will I be greater than you. He just got out of prison. He had to take a bath to get the stunk out of him. And Pharaoh said to Joseph, See, I have set you over all the land of Egypt. Look at verse 42. Then Pharaoh took his signet ring from his finger and put it on Joseph's finger. We're talking about leadership. We're talking about authority. We're talking about being a servant leader. And all of this now, Joseph, accused falsely, thrown into a pit by his brothers, thrown into a prison, had to stay two more years because of his own doing. All of the stuff of the past would have gotten a lot of people angry and a lot of people just thinking, the heck with life, I'm just going to do my own thing. And then they just do a tailspin into depression and hurt and anger and bitterness and why did this happen to me? I did everything good and you know, see, these are the tests that we face. There are times in my life I know that I did what God said to do and all Hades broke loose. I know that I love people. I know, you know, Jesus did it. Jesus appointed Judas. What did Judas do? 
I appointed staff members, and staff members rebelled against me. And you think, why would they do that? You, know, you just love people. Yeah, I do. But it's because other people have problems, and they don't pass the test. And they live in their bitterness and their anger, and they take it out on people who are safe, like you, who are godly, who are forgiving, and who don't hold things against people, and who are there to help. But you know, we also, we're going to learn in this life, is that sometimes our, quote, thinking of Christianity gets us in trouble because there are some people you need to hold at an arm's length because they'll eat you alive. But you're still wanting to help them. You know, we've had through the years some, you know, homeless people come and and I've given a little bit. Well, why is that all you're giving? That's, that's all I have to give. Well, I need more. I'm sorry I don't have any more to give. Well, what do you do? Well, I'm pastor of the church. What kind of a pastor are you? Finally, I said, a smart one. Have a good day. Close the door. Now, it's not that I was mean or cruel, but I, I see him again, and I walk to him, up to him and say, hey, man, how you doing? Remember me? No. Who are you? I said, well, my name's Gary. I don't say I'm the pastor of the church or whatever. And I ministered to him. And maybe at that time, I had more to give. Or I just sat with them and wondered. I did that with homeless people in Roland Heights. There was uh, four young people. I told you about this. And so I would sit with them. I'd go get food from a Chinese restaurant and give it to them. And I'd sit with them and say, hey, guys, what's going on? What's, what's happening? Oh, we're just kind of hanging out. Oh, cool. Where are you guys from? Oh, I moved here from so-and-so, and he moved here from... And we just met, and yeah, we just don't have any money, so we're just homeless. I said, oh, really? Okay. And, and just carry on the conversation. Well, guys, enjoy the food. Hey, are you going to be here again? Yeah, we're going to be here. Okay, I'll, I'll see you in a couple of days. And so I would make sure they're okay and, and uh, you know, just that type of thing. I, I'd get some ointment for, like, scrapes and stuff because you're sleeping on the street. You scrape your elbows and so they could, you know, do that so they don't have to go to a hospital. Look at verse 42. Then Pharaoh took his signet ring from his finger and put it on Joseph's finger. The ring represented his rights or authority. The king gave Joseph. It represents the kings. The king basically was the ruler of the world. And he gave Joseph his authority. Guess what? The king of kings gave us his authority. Verse 42. He dressed him in robes and fine linen and put a gold chain around his neck. By the way, remember when his brothers took that coat that they hated and they destroyed it and poured blood on it? Now Joseph is wearing fine linen. When you walk in life and you pass these tests, and you don't walk around in bitterness and anger and always, you know, frustrated with people and fighting, fighting, fighting. God will turn things around. What the enemy meant for evil, God will turn around for good. He'll always do that. 
And sometimes it may take, like Joseph, 13 years to happen. Not 13 days, not 13 hours, not 13 weeks, 13 years. And that's what we're, we're talking about in, in the life of Joseph and in our lives, the way God set up the kingdom. Sometimes it takes longer than we want for these things to take place. But when you, like I talked about this morning, remember faith and works? Faith is you get it from hearing God and works is obedience from what you hear. When you just stay the course, church family, stay the course. Don't allow other stuff to cause you to be misguided. Don't give up on God. If you heard God, God said something, Stay the course. It doesn't matter whether it's at work, whether it's church. You know how many people lose financially because they quit because they got frustrated with a boss? They get angry. They don't want to do the job. They want to go find a better job. And the better job is not a better job because why? They didn't pass the test. And so they have to say, God, what are you wanting me to do? And let me just tell you, sometimes in life, God will say, hey, hold on a second. I do have a better job for you. I've worked with that boss of yours for years, and he's rejected and rejected and rejected. So you know what? Boom, I'm taking you somewhere else where I'm going to bless you. Might take three years. Might take five years, seven years, 10 years, 13 years. But it'll happen. If God gave you a dream... You can reach your destiny, but you have to stay the course and pass these tests. So he dressed him in robes of fine linen and put a gold chain around his neck. So this represents the riches that Joseph would walk in. He walked in authority. He walked in riches immediately. Verse 43. And he had him ride in the second chariot, which he had, and they cried out before him, Bow the knee, so he set him over all the land of Egypt. Basically, Egypt ruled the world. The chariot represented the royalty Joseph would walk in. So Joseph, in overnight, had the rights of a king, the riches of a king, and the royalty of a king. Scripture tells us in Joshua, don't turn to the right or to the left. You know what the right and the left is? Left is authority, right is riches and honor. But go straight ahead. Follow what God says. So we, we, we see this. I, I know it's Old Testament. I know, you know, uh, and we're teaching a lot of New Testament now, but but I want you to realize the Old Testament are stories of people like you and me. And it gives us reality of how do we live this type of lifestyle. I have given almost my right and left leg to people. And they abused it. I've go gone bent over backwards to people through the years. And this is not just ministry, just when I worked for AAA. And the Lord, I got born again. The Lord just promoted me, promoted me, promoted me, promoted me. 
And in 1977, I was making close to six figures. And we have to understand, why did I do that? I don't know, because half the job, I had to still learn. But it was the attitude that I learned quickly of who I was as a child of God. Wasn't that I was perfect. Wasn't that I knew everything. I didn't. But I learned how to take another man's vision and carry it out. I taught that here at this church. And that's why I believe that church, part of why this church has been a success through the years. Because it's trained young men and young women, men and women, to come under one vision and do the work of the ministry and lead thousands to the Lord. And now there's churches all over the world. Every Sunday morning, there's over 5,000 people attending church from people that you and I have trained. You see, but a lot of people say, well, go, well, you know, yeah, what's it done for you? What do you mean, what's it done for me? I don't have a lot of riches. I'm blessed, but I've been, I've been a giver. I've been a tither. I've, I've gone overboard. You know, when I worked and made that kind of money, I was called a ministry, went to college. I had three years of school in the bank just sitting there ready to pay for my education. But what did I do? I sat around like a king, you know, in an easy chair. No, I went to work. I went to school early in the morning. Michelle was in my class early in the morning, left there, went to work from about 1.30 until about 8 o'clock at night, went home, studied for about three, four hours, went to bed, got up the next morning, the same thing. And I did that. And basically, I didn't even touch the money in the bank and I paid for my school with the money that I worked for. So then after that, people saw how I worked. Guy called me up and said, hey, there's a job that I have open here. How'd you like to get it? And before I was making, I think it was um, $6.95 an hour. And uh, the job that he hired me, I was making $14 an hour. Overnight, boom, phone call. Went to and gave my two-week notice. And because I gave my two-week notice, uh, they said, that's okay, Gary. You could just go ahead and, and go on. You know, we, we're glad you're in Bible college. We're glad that we had you. You were great. Everything, just go ahead. To, so the next day, I went and made $14 an hour and then rose up in there. Why? Because I was a hard worker. What did I do? I unloaded and loaded boxcars and trailers for JCPenney. I made it fun. The other guys, I got jobs for them. And other guys, um, we were working. So we would just say, hey, let's bless this, this uh, company here. And it's called Veltman Terminal. Let's bless it. And so we would get eight, ten trailers full of diapers, just cartons, boxes of diapers. All right? And so they'd be high and tight full. But what we'd have to do, unload them, put them in the warehouse, put them in the places where they'd be delivered, and then load them on the, the flats, take them back in the trailer, and load them high and tight for the drivers the next morning. And uh, so we'd say, all right, here we go. Here is uh, money for, you know, Burger King. And when you're in Bible college, that's big, you know, Burger King, Whopper, Fry, and Coke. And it was a large Coke. 
And, you know, that was what you would win to win. So you'd have two guys, and we'd unload. I mean, we'd just be sweating and boom, 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 getting it all, getting in the trucks and everything. And probably lost, each of us, $14, you know, hour and a half of time to get paid because we got the work done quicker. But you know what? God blessed us with that. At the end of the year, the first year, the boss of the company came in, us, our team, not the morning team, the afternoon team, took us out to eat and then gave us all $150 in an envelope. That's a lot of money back then. I was rich. You know, and I wasn't really, but the bottom line, you see what, and then my sophomore year, one of my buddies in school uh, had some struggles back home and, and health problems with parents and stuff, and he's a little bit older, and he was going to have to go home and work because, you know, all this money that the parents had to pay weren't going to help with the school. And I said, no, you don't have to do that. I got money in the bank. Here, boom. I paid for a school for one year. Now, why I'm saying that is not to pat myself on the back, but I'm telling you, people will always look at me as a pastor and say, you got everything together. I want to tell you, I worked my behind off. Even when I had the money and was blessed back home in Michigan working for AAA Insurance Company, I want you to understand is that I worked hard all these years. I never have, from the time I was 17, Never had a day, never had a year, I'll say a year, never have a year without a job. Now, why is that? Because God blessed me or loved me more than you or someone else? No. It's because I was faithful once I became born again. I was faithful to the things of the Lord. Now, you know I, I teach the Word of God all the time, and I rarely use me an example. Because you know what people do? Well, I went to church and pastor bragged on himself. I'm not bragging on myself. I'm bragging on God. I'm bragging on what God does. You know, you, you play sports, whatever. If you're going to be good at sports, you've got to work hard at it. Bottom line, you've got to work hard at it. So watch this. Pharaoh also said to Joseph, I am Pharaoh, and without your consent, no man may lift his hand or foot in all the land of Egypt. That's the power test. And let me tell you about power. The power comes, but the power test comes suddenly. One day you're in prison, the next day you have power. You may work hard for 10 years or 15 years, and in one day, God can change everything about your circumstances. Okay, for everything I just said, the last 10 minutes, don't you dare give up on anything that you know that God has said to you. Don't you give up. But pastor, we've been praying about this for 10, 15, don't you give up. Don't you stop. You wake up one morning in your prison test and something happens that very day. The next morning, you wake up in the palace. Why? God saw that Joseph, he was faithful, or God sees that you've been faithful. You've been faithful. 
At this church, I served a man of God for 15 years. I served his vision. I didn't serve my vision. When I left to go to North Carolina after 15 years, I wept halfway to North Carolina because I loved the vision the man of God had. I loved who he was. He was my spiritual father. And I loved him to the point where it ripped me apart that God had a plan for me to go somewhere else. But did you know that for the years, the two years that I was there, <clears throat> Pastor Bradford and I talked three to five times a week? Why is that? Because I was faithful and I loved the man of God. And he loved me as a son as I loved him as a spiritual father. Some of you were here when we did the funeral. He passed away after two years that I left. Some of you are such blessings. Uh, Danny and Arlene, Nolan and Pat. And you were such blessings to the whole area. I, I, I flew in. I, Sorry, Danny, but I'm just going to brag on your faithfulness, Arlene, too. I flew in from North Carolina to be part of doing the funeral, and Danny meets me with his brand-new car. And he pick, you know, he, he gets me. I, I forget the story, whether it was from the airport or wherever I was. He picked me up. He said, hey, uh, this is the car you're going to use while you're here. Danny, I, don't, I can, no, this is the car you're going to use while you're here. See, that's why you look at his children, you look at where he's at and who he is, and Arlene, the blessings that they are, is because they're faithful. They're faithful. Nolan and Pat, faithful. I trust Pastor Nolan with my life. I do. I trust him with my life. And that's why in, um, and when I say this, hear me correctly, He's going to live a lot longer. But in his elder years, I honor the man and the woman. You see them sitting over here? That's part of me honoring the man and the woman of God. Not because they're any better than anybody else. It's because of what God said to me. That's how we need to become when we're the man of God. Joseph did that with Potiphar. He was accused falsely. Joseph did that in the prison. Why? Probably because Potiphar told him, hey, dude, who's leading the prison? You need to use this guy because he's faithful. My wife, but I, I don't want to lose my home, so uh, I'm just going to let this go. But take care of this guy. If you take care of him, he sure will take care of you. The Bible says he found favor in the sight of the Lord. And, and he was raised up in prison, and he led the prison. And then he gets out of prison and the Pharaoh then gives him his ring and does all this. Why is that? Well, I don't know because God loved him better than he loved me. No, because he was faithful for 13 years. And he, he didn't pass the first two, but after that he learned from the consequence and the last eight tests we find that Joseph passed. Doesn't mean you're not going to go through hard times. Doesn't mean you're not going to go through challenges. Doesn't mean stuff's not going to happen in your life. What it means 
is that you are a kingdom child of God, son or daughter of God. Most of the tests we have studied so far is how you respond when bad things happen to you. The power test is how you respond when something good happens to you. How do you respond to success? How do you respond to power? How do you respond to God's blessing? Hmm. More people fall because of blessings than any other reason. Because they can't handle the blessing because of a lack of character. By this time, Joseph had been refined. Joseph was ready to step into his destiny. Joseph was ready to succeed and fulfill the destiny. So let's talk about power now. We've got about 15 minutes more. Where does power come from? My boss, the owner, the governor. Where does it come from? Psalm 62 verse 11 says, God has spoken once, twice I have heard this, that power belongs to God. John 19 verse 7, the Jews answered him, we have a law, and according to our law, Jesus ought to die because he made himself the son of God, even though he was. Therefore, when Pilate heard that saying, he was the more afraid and went again into the praetorium and said to Jesus, where are you from? But Jesus gave him no answer. But Pilate said to him, are you not speaking to me? Do you not know that I have power to crucify you and power to release you? And Jesus answered, you could have no power at all against me unless it had been given you from above. Therefore, the one who delivered me to you has the greater sin, speaking of the Jews. Pilate was talking to God, by the way. <laughs> and his name is Jesus the Christ. All power and all authority comes from God. You might see it manifest through people, but all power and authority comes from God. Psalm 75, verse 6 and 7 says, For exaltation comes neither from the east nor from the west nor from the south, but God is the judge. He puts down one and exalts another. Promotion comes from the Lord, not from your boss. So the question, because it comes from God, will you handle it with true humility? Not false humility, true humility. See, correct humility is, yes, you worked hard, but God has blessed you. You stewarded, stewarded well, but God blessed you. Now, keep, let's keep that thought. So the question is, what kind of leader are you? Are you a servant leader? Or are you a directive leader? My way or the highway? Another question, where do you get the desire for power? You get it from God. For you to desire to lead, that's not bad. That's good. Because it's from God. Because all good things come from the Father above. But we need to understand that there's wrong desire too. 
There's wrong desire for power. But there's a right desire, desire for power. Let me explain it this way. You were created in the image of an all-powerful God, and God uses his power for good. So you have a legitimate power from God in you to do good. But if you can't handle the power to do good, God's not going to give it to us until we get to that place. He's looking for good stewards to give his power to. People always say, well, if they just let me do it, I'll do it really good. True humility. Learn how to serve first before you lead. Then you'll be a servant leader, and then now you will be able to be used of God to use your power. Watch this. Like Joseph was given power to save the world. I'm going to show it to you. So recognize all power comes from God and to walk in humility. So how do you get this power? I want this power. I desire it. How do I get it? Here's the kingdom way. To have authority, you have to get under authority. I learned when I left Bible college, I knew I was supposed to go back. The Lord spoke to me and said, I'll go back to the Great Lakes District. I went to Indiana, became the youth pastor, then became the district uh, youth director and ran youth camps and thousands of kids, all that, spoke all around different things, led all the youth pastors of the district. <clears throat> and then the Lord said, um, I want you to go back now to Valley because I have a plan for Valley. I went back to Valley, and I went and served the man of God again. Amen. Served the man of God again. And and pastor said, Hey, when you come back to California, talk to me first. I said, okay. Now, why did he say that? Why did he say that? Because I connived my way? No, because I was faithful for the three years I served him before. And he knew if he grabbed me again, I'd be faithful then. So then for another 12 years, total of 15 years, I served the man of God's vision. To have authority, you have to get under authority. If you, the Bible teaches us, if you want to live, then you need to die to self. If you want to live in kingdom reality, you need to die to self. You need to die to yourself, what your wishes are, what your desires are, and find God's desires for your life. What is God saying to you? Did you know that there's not one person in this room right now, in our whole church, that God hasn't desired to give power to? That God desires to bless? But sometimes people struggle because they don't know how to live with power. So if you want to live, then you need to die to self. And if you want to receive, what does the Bible say? You need to give. I was talking to someone today, and, and they said, you know, uh, we want to give too, and we, we want to do that. We're going to take someone out for lunch and different things. Why? Because she has a heart 
of giving. It's not just receiving. She's mature in the word of God, and she has come under the mission of the vision of this church, and she's learned, and now she is an amazing, always been since I've known her. She's in this room. I'm not going to say her name, but she's just this amazing woman of God that, that gives all the time. Why is that? Because she understands kingdom. And she's passed the test. Has she gone through struggles? Absolutely she has. The Bible says that if you humble yourself, he'll exalt you in due time. What does that mean, due time? The correct time, the proper time, the God time. God's plan for you. God's destiny for you. The Bible says that God resists the proud. He lets you lead, but you stay behind me, kind of like a football player. If you had a running back that always went in front of the blockers, he wouldn't last very long. He'd have broken legs, broken shoulders, concussions. But if he followed the, the blockers, he would last a lot longer. And the Bible is saying you need to follow what God's, where God's placed you. The way to lead is follow. Submission means to come under a mission, not to be a slave, not to have any rights. God opposes the pride and will become your opposition if you become prideful. Did you know that? God himself says, if we become prideful, he will oppose us. Well, the devil is just, maybe God is opposing. God doesn't bring evil. Let me just uh, listen closely. Don't you leave here that pastor said God does wrong things. He does not. All good things come from the Father above. How many of you know, if you that have children, know that when your children were young, that discipline works? When your child says, no, I want to do what I want to do, and they're three years old, and you say, oh, okay, go ahead. No, don't think so. Why? Because it's good for them to learn how to come under submission. I see some of you parents smiling. He goes before you, so be humble. Genesis 41, verse 15. And Pharaoh said to Joseph, I have had a dream, and there is no one who can interpret it. But I have heard it said of you that you can understand a dream to interpret it. So Joseph answered, watch how he answers. So Joseph answered Pharaoh saying, it is not in me. God will give Pharaoh an answer of peace. He's saying God will give us direction. Yeah, I can interpret dreams. God gave me that ability. But it is God that gave it to me. You see what I'm talking about, being humble? Joseph knew it was God and explained, I don't have the power myself but God will give it to me. He's being humble. Pride is always ugly and looks very foolish. So all power comes from God, and we get it by being humble. Remember that. You get power by being humble. Here's the third. Why does power come? Why do you get power? Why do you become a leader? You know, Sometimes people, I, I do a lot of leadership training, especially pastors, done a lot of conferences and marriage conferences and pastoral conferences, 
And I get questions like this. Why would people want to be a pastor when they go through all what they go through? See, it's not about what you go through. It's because you're, you're given authority in an area by God to what? Help people. Why does power come? Acts 10.38 says, How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power, verse 38, and how he, Jesus, went around. I'm going to add to that. I'm not adding to Scripture so you understand. I'm going to add some words. And how he, Jesus, went around with that power, doing good and healing all who were under the power of the devil because God was with him. God is with you. You have authority, and you have authority to do good. But if you don't use your power and authority to do good, God will remove it. And you'll go into a pit or have a problem. See, power was given to help people. God gave Joseph power so he could save the world from starvation. He gave him wisdom and authority to feed the world. Joseph was the good steward that could steward blessings, times of blessings and times of famine. One of the greatest scriptures in the Bible is this one, Deuteronomy 8.18. People never quote it fully. And you shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you power to get wealth. That's where everybody stops. But here's the, the conclusion of it. That he may establish his covenant, which he swore to your fathers, as it is this day. You know why you get power to make wealth? It's to establish God's covenant. God gives you power and influence, wealth, to establish his covenant to the world. So let's close with this. Got five minutes. Why are we here? Why are we in this world? What purpose do you and I have? I mean, you look at the world from COVID to political to all those stupid blogs that are out there that are just ignorant. I mean, people are living their lives. Oh, really? Oh, okay. Oh, really? You know, all these Blogs, I didn't call people stupid, I just called the blogs stupid. And some of that stuff is evil, that is not the wisdom of God. Why are we here? We are here to establish his covenant to your city, to your home. God says he will bless you, come under my hand, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God, and in due time he'll raise you up. He said he will bless you. If you'll obey his word, he will bless you. And if we do that, your homes will be transformed. Your businesses will be transformed. Your jobs will be transformed. Your life will be transformed. You can right now, if you're here right now and you feel like you're in a prison, tomorrow you can wake up in a palace because God says, I will do that. That's what I was telling you about Veltman Terminal. I worked for a job. I was driving Courier Express, driving all around the Southern California, the airport, on Friday night. Have you ever seen the airport on Friday night? It is the worst place in the world. And they've enlarged it, and it was bad back then, 1978. And the reality, I, I drive there, I drive over 
you know, the different cities and had keys to banks and drop off paperwork for banks and all the different things and, and uh, <clears throat> you know, and then drive home and get to the, it's just, and then all of a sudden, one day, I'm over making double the money. Amen. And I worked there. I was doing great. More money in the bank. Because I, when I was real young, I was a miser. I didn't give as much as I do now. But the reality is, is, but I learned how to save so I can give. Steward money. And, and, and the reality is, is, is then there came a time that I came to Valley Community Church and visited it. The first day I came to the church, Pastor Bradford says, hey, that young man over there, ask him to come to my office. I'd like to talk to him. So I went in his office. Hi, Pastor. How are you? He says, hi, what's your name? I said, my name's Gary Klaus. Where are you from? I'm from Michigan. Michigan, you northerner. He's a southerner. And uh, we laughed and, you know, we talked about things and talked about sports because his son was an athlete. And uh, after a while, he said, uh, can we go, and this is the way he always said, Danny, you remember this, can we go get a bite to eat? He'd say that, go get a bite to eat. And, and so we went and got a bite to eat. I said, hey, you know, young guy like me, free food, amen, praise the Lord, hallelujah. College student, you know. And, and so we went out to eat, and he said, you know, I was thinking, he said, what would you think about being on staff at Valley? I mean, that's just out of the blue. You know, I'm studying to be in ministry, but he asked me. So I said, well, you know, I really love the church, and that's what I'm called to do. Let me just give you a yes, but give me at least three days to pray about it. He said, you need to pray about it? I said, yeah, I need to be spiritual about it. He laughed. You know, he had his belly laugh that he had. And uh, so I did. Three days later, I came to him, and um, he said, great. And so I said, well, when do I start? So I, I gave my notice, and uh, that good amount of money, an hour I was getting paid, and I gave my notice. I didn't know what I was going to get paid at Valley. And then when I got here, and he said, oh, by the way, you know, uh, let me tell you what, what we're going to pay you, and blah, blah, blah. And, and I said, ooh. <laughs> it was a test. It was faith. It wasn't, you know, a lot of money, but he was going to take care of me. You know, I wasn't going to starve. I wasn't you know, anything like that. But it was bottom line is I wasn't going to be able to save any money. And at that time, remember, I was a miser. I always wanted to save money. So I went ahead and did that. But the blessings of the Lord of me hearing God and making decisions because God said it, not because it looked good, then guess I could say history shows. Here I am. Amen. Loving Jesus, loving you, and walking in the blessings of the Lord, and, and having experience of God, if God says it, he does it. But you have to learn how to handle when the tests arise. And this test, the power test, is when good things happen. 
you are here to establish his covenant to our cities. Valley Community Church is full of beautiful servants of the Lord. Wonderful leaders who just want to serve God and serve others. Want to come under the mission of the church. And want to just see people saved, see people healed and growing. Families healthy. Marriage is healthy. I just did a 25-year uh, renewal of vows. How fun was that? How fun was that? Yeah, just to see God doing something with, with people and uh, to serve one another. Power is for the purpose of serving people. Joseph saved the world of starvation. You know the story. Seven years of prosperity, he saved. Seven years of literal famine, he fed the world for seven years. We'll talk more about that next time together. Can we stand? Now remember, this is Joseph's story, not 